Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today, I'm delighted to welcome Chip Steiner. He is the Product Manager for Healthcare at Core AI. Chip, thanks for joining me today. Uh, great to uh, be here today, and thanks for the invitation. So if you would, help the audience understand your background and how you reached this point in your career, if you would. Certainly. Thank you, Nick. Well, I, I began healthcare in the operating room. Uh, I was uh, tasked with trying to design uh, a technology that would help surgeons navigate the human body. Uh, but that was over 30 years ago. Uh, today, I focus on the use of artificial intelligence uh, to advance conversational AI. So I, when you say that and you say 30 years ago, I'm, I'm thinking of the movie where they shrunk people down and navigating. Um, this wasn't Hollywood. This was for real, right? Uh, this was most definitely for real. And I have to say, as an aside, uh, I have met Richard Fleischer, the director of that film. I invited him uh, to my healthcare institution back back in the day. And he took us through a, a journey uh, that many uh, in our audience uh, were mesmerized with. It was fascinating to learn how Hollywood and modern healthcare have, have morphed together and I can tell you there's a lot of value in looking across disciplines as you try to advance uh, any field of study. Yeah, I, I've always looked to Hollywood and in particular science fiction, I've got to say, as uh, you know, a predictor of the future. I think it was Isaac Asimov that famously said that, you know, the difference between you know, magic and, you know, reality is just a question of time in many instances. And I think that's been true. And, you know, one of my favorite, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a sci-fi geek, let's be clear, and I'm a Star Trek fan. And Star Trek, I think, I'm, I still believe this is true. I've certainly said it enough times, so it must be true, um, was the original uh, presenter of speech as a, an enabling technology uh, in fact, I even know the episode. It was all to do with Pi and uh, 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 Spock asking the computer to calculate Pi that eventually managed to r reach control back. But we've advanced a lot further. And uh, you make an interesting point that they've marched in lockstep. I feel like Hollywood's a little bit further out in terms of what they're uh, showing or talking about. Where's the gap? Where do you see this at the moment? Well, uh, you know, I think the gap is closing. Uh, every day. Uh, but quite frankly, I think it's a matter of what is what is Hollywood trying to entice the audience with. Uh, healthcare, uh, from my vantage point, a little more practical. We've got patient care. Uh, we want to, of course, be living uh, and operating and delivering healthcare on the edge, uh, because that's where innovation and advancements occur. But there, there's no question that the ability to look towards the future is really the 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 goal of of advancing life and advancing healthy life, uh, which is a, a a common goal in the healthcare realm as as well as I think in in Hollywood, if you will. Uh, there are a few other industries that um, are behind both of those, uh, but I, I agree with you. 
Um, Hollywood uh, does have an advantage in terms of um, what is presented on camera. Healthcare has maybe the disadvantage that it's a conversation between a patient and a healthcare provider, and that's where the real reality sits. Yeah, I, I I like the idea that that gap is closing. But you know, my my challenge to Hollywood is, you know, get get your thinking caps on. We need some more ideas. Let's be frank. Uh, but let's talk about the reality because I think that's important. You know, certainly based on my experience. You know, speech is the most natural form of communication. It's the one that everybody has. You know, if they have nothing else, if they can't write or read, they can definitely communicate by speech. So it's it's sort of foundational, yet it's not the sort of, or it hasn't been the predominant means of interacting with technology, which has essentially overtaken our lives very clearly. But it's starting to impact uh, and improve things with speech. I see more of it. Where are we with that and where do you see that, you know, currently? Well, first, I, I completely agree that speech is the uh, penultimate uh, user interface uh, between human and machine. Uh, it has lagged. Uh, it was fundamentally hard. Um, we may, as, as evolving humans, believe that speech may have been the, the, the primary uh, way of con conversing with others or with uh, eventually machines. Uh, but it's 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 tech, it has has its technological challenges. Where we are today is that it is ever present uh, in uh, many of the advanced healthcare applications uh, uh, between uh, provider, patient, uh, caregiver, uh, and a machine. Uh, we use it uh, in in our solutions uh, to try to increase operational efficiency. Uh, in addition to Care, care excellence. And I'd be happy to uh, give some examples as, as we talk further. Yeah, so I, I, I think that's true. Um, we're seeing more of it, but, you know, historically we've seen these sort of challenges. And, you know, I, it's a little bit of a sort of fits and starts. And, you know, certainly going back in my career, it was over-promised and under-delivered. You know, we we took the technology, we had this souped up device that was sitting underneath the counter that had multiple cards, as much memory as you could cram in at the time, and it worked. But when you put it out into the field with you know basic uh, technology, it didn't work quite as well. And I think we disappointed and we've had to recover. At this point, it's I think native. I mean, everybody talks about ALEXA, and you know that's most of us have to do that without activating things in our own house, and you know the other versions of this. Where have you seen the most progress, and what are the opportunities? Do you have some examples? I do. Thanks, thanks, Nick. And and I was going to break down for you because at heart I'm an engineer, uh, and and that's my 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 daily. Uh, perspective when I try to solve problems. Um, the the group at core, uh, where I'm currently product manager of our healthcare practice, we follow a, a parallel processing approach. We call it our proprietary natural language understanding, but it allows us to simultaneously evaluate the conversation uh, between a, a human and and a and a and a base interface and look for uh, components of that conversation that are most applicable in a context. So let me let me give you a specific example. Uh, well, we, we, we've often thought that the 
when the space shuttle or any uh, uh, any rocket goes up, there are computers calculating launch angles and, and attitude and trying to figure things out and ultimately reporting uh, to some human management system what they're finding. But as I think we've also learned, they use multiple machines to simultaneously calculate uh, results. And then they have some management system to evaluate and compare those results. We're doing the same in conversational AI. We have uh, three simultaneous uh, natural language engines that are looking and, and trying to divine what the fundamental meaning was, what the, uh, the, the contextual knowledge was, and try to report back what the most likely intent was of any specific phrase. And we do that in a way that allows us to rank and then ultimately determine the, the, the highest probability of the correct intent. This methodology, Nick, um, allows uh, our solution to have a more effective response and conversation. I would argue that the human brain works in a similar way, not just the left brain, right brain approach, but there's a multiplicity of cognitive processes that are going on in our brains as we listen. We've got certainly two ears in, for most of us, and those are feeding parallel streams of data, but we've also got other senses uh, that our body is able to feed to that cortex and ultimately derive what the likely intent was of the phrase from the other individual or individuals we're talking with. The approach at core is to do the same thing. We have this in a patented process, and we use that to more effectively derive the intent of the conversant, and that's what we're doing. How that applies to healthcare is that then we can carry on a more natural conversation that's applying the context of the conversation. You and I might be chatting about uh, motorbikes or skiing or uh, riding lawnmowers or politics but in healthcare, we might be talking about the, the diagnosis or the treatment plan or your medical history or the payment restrictions or the approval process. That context is relevant and our ability to uh, look at the phrases and divine the intent of the conversant in a parallel way gives us the most effective uh, outcome and solution. And, and that's what uh, really sets our approach uh, apart from the rest. So I'm afraid we're back to Hollywood, but what I heard, and I want to sort of make sure that people understand this, is it sounds a little bit like Minority Report in terms of uh, an assessment of uh, results based on, in your case, engines, but you know, in Minority Reports, it was three individuals that said guilty or not, or, you know, I, 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 but you, you get the principle and it sounds like that's what you're doing. Is that a fair assessment? That is a fair assessment, and and of of, of course this uh this allows us to uh, differentiate and and perhaps if we don't achieve uh, a high enough confidence interval, if you will, uh, we have the ability then to adapt the conversation and and ask uh, ask the conversant uh, a, a relevant question that further refines the approach 
uh, the, the further refines the conversation. And that's that's a separate thing that maybe you don't have in the current ALEXA uh, paradigm. Uh, but we have when you're in a conversational AI mode, you can dialogue with someone. And actually, that that's the same thing you and I would do if we're trying to understand each other. So I, let me ask, I mean, uh, it, you know, what sounds important here is the fact that you've got, you know, varying opinions. You know, that I, I, I start with a question, why, why stop at three? Why not have more? Is that, you know, maybe that's a processing power issue. But I also want to know who's Agatha in this. Um, you know, who's the dissenter and, you know, is there some value to the dissenter uh, in terms of, you know, giving them more authority in the ultimate resolution of what somebody said? It, it can be. And, and let, let me offer the, 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 uh, the current configuration of three uh, is more about uh, three different uh, context uh, trains of thought rather than any type of a processing limitation today. Mm -hmm. Of course, more processing is always valuable if you can uh, stage it properly. Uh, no, we we want to, the approach we take uh, wants to make sure that if you're involved in a, we'll call it technical uh, conversation between healthcare providers, that you apply more uh, influence from what I'll, I'll say is an ontology-based nomenclature. If you're having a conversation between a patient, uh, perhaps, and a nurse, you're going to leave more, you're, you're going to apply more weight, if you will, uh, to natural context conversations about the status of a family member, the status of their environment. Um, so we are able to tune, if you will, uh, the, the, the influence of these various uh, analyses and and use that to better derive the context. And this is a dynamic process. So for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Today, I'm talking to Chip Steiner. He's the product manager in healthcare at Core AI. We were just uh, talking about the uh, process for sort of reaching better accuracy, better resolution of what people are saying. I think, you know, most folks have some interaction um, with um, voice agents, let's call them, you know, as a general term. Obviously, in healthcare, there's some specialization. Um, and that experience can vary. There's, you know, uh, a, a very sort of staccato, I think, I, I let's describe the frustrating ones as calling into phone systems that are very poorly designed and, you know, essentially force you through a whole process that you might as well press buttons for. And then there's really good conversational AI that will pick up on topics and jump you. I've heard that on some of the phone systems. In healthcare, we've got a sort of narrower focus, you know, potentially there's more capacity to be better at it. Is that true? Are we seeing some of that experience? Well, we are. And, and what I wanted to make sure we also uh, focus on is how this, how this tool, this conversational tool, is better uh, positioned to improve efficiency of operational uh, delivery in healthcare. So it, it's not always about perhaps coming up with a diagnosis for a particular condition, but more about can I ensure that the right provider that is most adept at dealing with a condition 
is interacting with a patient that is experiencing or perhaps uh, suffering from a condition. It's being able to uh, focus on some of those operational challenges that many of many in the healthcare industry all around the globe, but very pointedly here in North America, uh, are challenged with. Uh, not enough supply of of, of providers. Uh, not a, not the right alignment between need. And, and and delivery of, of capabilities. And conversational AI allows you to extract uh, those challenges in a way that would otherwise uh, lead to inefficiencies. And, and that's really uh, an area that we focus on. So uh, as, as you think about the landscape today, you, you've got sort of a, a deep understanding of the healthcare space. You've had interactions in different uh, domains. Obviously, we've got the generalized experience that most people can relate to, but where do you see this being most successful? Can you give us some examples of you know, how we've managed to really deliver on the promise that you know, I saw in the 60s with Spock talking to the uh, enterprise computer? And I'll uh, remind all of us uh, that the tricorder um, was one one utopian device in many respects that allowed uh, a per, uh, Spock to divine or Bones to divine what the uh, what what the challenge was that one of his crewmates was suffering from. But they and, were and, also- and just as an important point on the tricorder, since you bring it up, and I, you know, it's your fault, but that was actually the subject of one of the uh, million dollar prizes, and I ultimately. Still struggled. I think we're we're not quite there yet, unfortunately. But I, I, we got closer with the Tricorder Prize. We certainly have, and and um, you and I may be a, a similar uh, alignment in in where we hope the future uh, leads us. Con- conversing with the Tricorder, uh, it wasn't necessarily uh, fully fully revealed, but. Uh, voice and human interaction was also something that that was dealing with. Where we are today is that because we can determine the intent of a patient, the intent of a caregiver in a healthcare setting, uh, or the intents revealed through a conversation between caregiver and patient, we are better able to apply the limited healthcare resources uh, to the condition of need. And so as an example, uh, oftentimes you hear about uh, patients not being able to get in in a timely manner uh, to speak with their uh, speak, speak with their doctor, uh, be able to get in and, and get the care they need. And that's really about a misalignment of healthcare resources that we can overcome if you just have a conversation about what the patient is is dealing with, or a conversation with a, a collection of providers to talk about their capabilities and get those aligned properly. Uh, our solution at core uh, leverages the tools that conversational AI present to be able to address those supply and demand challenges that exist in healthcare today. That's where we're seeing the biggest impact. Back to your uh, earlier question. So, um, as you think about the future, um, you know, obviously we've made significant progress. There's, you know, tremendous opportunity to apply this. Where do you see this going? Yeah. So conversational AI will continue to 
uh, improve. I think we can all we can all imagine that. Uh, where I, where I see the biggest impacts in the near future are the ability to apply uh, multiple conversations, multiple uh, utterances from a group of conversants. Right now, we're somewhat limited to one-on-one uh, -on -one dialogue, uh, just because of the, the the ability to process uh, all of those conversations. I see bringing in second, third, fourth parties to a group conversation and being able to uh, segregate uh, and apply the the, the valuable uh, aspects of that, and then add to that video. I, I, I would consider conversational AI to include human uh, nonverbal cues to the conversation. And we're seeing that in some of our uh, collaborations in our organization, where being able to express empathy and derive uh, the, the feeling, the, the, the emotional context to a conversation between provider and patient, between caregiver and family member, allows the conversation to be richer and ultimately to to, to have a a more impactful outcome, which which will drive operations as well. So uh, earlier, you um, when we were talking, you you mentioned something that sort of stood out to me, and I want you to sort of expand on this. You said voice is the penultimate. Uh, interface that we're dealing with. Clearly, there's something else in your mind. Tell us what, what you meant. So uh, when I was referring to uh, voice, it was a human uh, using all of their conversant um, interfaces with a machine. Um, I, I meant that uh, rather than some direct digital conversational approach, uh, i.e. text, i.e. Uh, even, even uh, a, a Morse coded uh, approach to con conversation with a machine. No, the human dynamic that humans on this, on this planet leverage on a daily basis to convey their feelings and interpret someone else's feelings, that is that that it being able to interface that in a direct way to silicon uh, to a uh, a, a process engine that is able to handle all of that, that is truly the penultimate. Today, we are using uh, the audio uh, signal. Uh, we're going to layer onto that a video signal. We're going to layer onto that other physiological parameters of a patient and a caregiver to improve that conversation. Yeah, so I, I think interesting, um, you know, as I think about this, the potential future for sort of integration at a, a, a more basic level, you know, the thought process, we've certainly seen some progress with that, obviously critical in terms of those that have been, you know, impacted by uh, disease sometimes, but mostly through trauma where they, you know, are limited in their capacity. And uh, we've seen some progress, but it's been challenging. Um, I, I think famously, there was at least some work on the part of uh, Elon Musk and his organization to look at a brain interface. But, you know, maybe that lies in our future. I think, you know, in the same way that we were afraid of speech recognition, maybe we're afraid of that. But, you know, it offers potential, obviously, with 
the appropriate surroundings. Um, unfortunately, as we do each week, uh, we've run out of time. So it just remains for me to uh, thank you for being on the show, Chip, uh, and say live long and prosper. Uh, thank you, Nick. It was a pleasure. I hope, hope to speak to you in the future. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at DrNick1 on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. 